1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
2: It's
1: a small seaside town uh, just about at the end of Cape Cod. And in the wintertime, it's a really quiet place.
2: The people that live here are year round Everyone pretty much
1: knows one another. I never wanted to live anywhere else. It's just a beautiful place to hang out unless something really awful happens. Police are
3: trying to solve the first murder in a small Cape Cod town in more than 30 years. The victim, a local writer named Krista Worthington, was found inside this house in Truro on
1: Sunday. Krista Worthington was found stabbed once through the left chest, missing the heart, piercing the lung, and the knife uh, made an exit wound uh, uh, in her back and went into the kitchen floor below her.
4: Worthington's two-year-old daughter was also at the house
1: on Sunday and witnessed the attack, but she was not hurt. The details that we heard about apparently Ava attempting to clean her mother's body and... Finding a child's broom with blood on it and and things like that, that was really, really hard to take. The horror that came into this quiet house in the wintertime at the end of the world and just blew up these little wonderful lives. My name is Eric Williams. I'm a reporter with the Cape Cod Times. And I've covered this case from the beginning.
5: I'd say she had a very easy smile. She had a wide eyed wonderment about the world. She was a mom. She was a great mom. Her whole being lit up just by being with her daughter, Ava.
2: She was a flirt. And, you know, I could tell that there was, there was an attraction. I'm Tony Jacket. I had an affair with Crystal Worthington, and we had a child together, Ava
1: Worthington. It wasn't solved right away.
6: It is a murder mystery that continues to haunt Cape Cod.
1: I think people were spooked. Who is this person that did it? Where are they? I mean, are they a local? People around here are getting very anxious. And time went on and a sort of rotating cast of potential suspects were trotted out. We got Tony Jacket, the father of Ava. It's um, disturbing to be murder suspect. Tony's son-in-law Keith Amato was a person whose name came up. Dude, don't film The guy who found the body, Tim Arnold. Krista was an easy person to love and sometimes a difficult person to be around. I think there was the feeling like, we're never gonna know whether this was your next door Keith neighbor.
7: That arrest in the murder of Krista Worthington. I have...
1: mean, that was a shock. That was out of the blue. They, they arrested a guy. I mean, could you believe it?
0: hours listeners know to always expect the unexpected, including when home appliances break down. An American Home Shield warranty can restore your sense of security. It's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield and their trusted and qualified pros will fix or replace it. Right now you could take 20% off. Go to AHS.com 48 to save 20%. That's AHS.com 48
1: This was a, a great mystery. How could a single mom be executed in her kitchen in January in Cape Cod?
2: Yeah, I love it in the wintertime because it is quiet and you have uh, and I like the cold weather.
5: In the wintertime, Cape Cod can feel like the end of the world.
2: It's a real challenge being out on the water, you know, mentally and physically, really. A real independent way of life.
5: It's the only world fishing warden Tony Jacket ever really has known. I feel fortunate and blessed that I was born and raised here. Tony is like, he's like a nature boy. And that, according to reporter Eric Williams is pretty much how everybody in the town of Truro saw him. I mean He's a great guy, a
1: gregarious, smart, uh, you know, really a, a pleasant fellow,
5: uh, you know, uh, who likes the ladies, you know? In 1997, a new lady came to town, a glamorous former fashion writer from New York.
2: She had a bungalow right next to the Hoppermaster Shack.
5: And this is the Harbor master's shack.
2: This pink one, that was hers. She's sitting on the porch and I'm right there.
5: And Jacket, married with six kids, nonetheless went for her hook, line, and sinker.
2: She was someone very different from the people that I knew. She was mysterious, enigmatic, somewhat of a loner.
5: Her name was Krista Worthington. A 40-year-old Vassar grad, she'd lived what seemed a life in the fast lane. Covering the runways of New York, London, and Paris for top fashion magazines. Scoring an interview with fashion superstar Yves Saint Laurent when she was just 26.
4: That, that was her building when she moved back from um, Europe.
5: But Steve Radlauer, who dated Krista for two years in New York, says she never felt part of the glamorous world she covered.
4: I think she was feeling a little burned out after her European women's wear uh, years.
5: Her prominent New England family owned a slew of properties in Truro,
2: owned by John Worthington Sr.,
5: including this one where she moved a few months later. It seemed like the perfect retreat and the perfect place to have a child.
4: She had this having a baby thing in mind, and I think she felt that this would be a good place to do that. The complication was that she was not married, didn't have a boyfriend. She uh, was, I think, intrigued with the local color.
5: Local color, including you? Yeah.
2: (laughs) I could tell that there there was an attraction. You know, ultimately, I ended up over a house. Having a cup of tea, and you know, one thing leads to another. And
5: For about a year, off and on, they had an affair. I had
2: become a slave to my ego.
5: And for the beautiful writer who desperately wanted a child, and the local fisherman, who already had six, one thing did lead to another. So she comes to you at some point and says, I'm pregnant. Right. This is a surprise.
2: This is a total surprise.
5: A surprise he didn't share with his wife of 26 years, even when Krista gave birth to a daughter, Ava, in May of 1999.
2: The day she got pregnant, she was ecstatic. I was dumbfounded.
5: Friends insist Krista had been told she couldn't have a baby, but Jacket always has felt she set him up.
2: How do I explain this? I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm, I realize that I'm uh, in, deep
5: in fact, she had gone on the Lisa show the year before to talk about women who choose to be single parents. Trying to
6: figure out how to be the best parent to your child given that there is no
5: father. She was very real. She was exactly who she was. Ava became the center of Krista's universe, says Linda Schlechter, who babysat a few times a week a very devoted mother, and she would always have Ava on her lap, and they would always be playing or laughing. Now I'm just still in a lot of disbelief about what's happened. It seems so unreal. Unreal indeed. I
1: walked into the newsroom here on Cape Cod, and we had just gotten word from the police uh, that there had been a murder.
5: The first homicide in Truro in 30 years sent reporter Eric Williams into high gear. Finding sources, working the phones. It was Sunday, January 6th, 2002.
1: Surprisingly, you know, I knew the guy who found the body
5: and next thing I know I'm calling him and talking to him about it. He was calling Tim Arnold, another former boyfriend of Krista's who lived just through the woods from her house. Arnold's story was that he had simply dropped by the house at 4.30 that afternoon to return a flashlight, and instead got the shock of his life. He
1: sees Krista lying on the floor in a sort of a kitchen hallway area, and he sees Ava near uh, her mother's body.
5: Arnold later told police little Ava was trying to nurse. He said he scooped her up and ran outside. He called 911.
2: 911, well, this line's recording oh, What is your emergency? Um, please send somebody to 50 Dico Road. Okay, what's
4: the problem? It's Krista Worthington. I don't know what happened. I think she fell down. I'm, I'm sure she's dead.
5: Krista Worthington was dead, lying in a hallway off the kitchen.
1: She was uh, bruised up. It looked like there had been some kind of altercation that she had been in.
5: She was half naked and stabbed once through the left lung.
1: The blade went through the body and into the kitchen floor beneath her body.
5: The front door was smashed. There were drag marks on the ground outside and several personal items scattered in the drive.
1: Some socks were found outside, maybe a barrette, a pair of reading glasses.
5: The disarray continued inside. Shocked EMTs carelessly grabbed a blanket from the house to cover Krista's body. Soon, all of Truro knew what had happened.
2: We got just a phone call that Krista got murdered.
5: What was your reaction when you got this phone call?
2: Just disbelief. I mean, like, why? It seems so senseless.
5: With all the elements of a classic mystery, sensational reports of the murder on Cape Cod topped the news around the country. It was a murder that rocked the world of high fashion. Leaving Krista's nervous neighbors with no reason to suspect that it would take police literally years to solve this crime. Not that they didn't have plenty of suspects. It became some kind
1: of of awful parlor game. Uh, You know, in living rooms on the Outer Cape and, and maybe even beyond as you'd sit around and once again go through it and try to figure out, could it have been Tim? Could it have been Tony?
5: How did it go down? By the spring of 2005, townspeople were starting to think police never would figure out who killed Krista Worthington. This was just a random awfulness that just came
1: screaming out of the woods of Truro and festered for three years.
6: See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx!
2: Now I say my ABCs. Next time I'll do, sing with me.
5: Krista Worthington's savage murder in January of 2002 left two-year-old Ava without a mother. And it left the townspeople of Truro edgy, nervous, and silently wondering if the killer might be one of them. Who else would come down to the end of the world in January and do this?
1: You think, it's gotta be someone who is here, because no one, no one comes here in January.
5: The best potential lead to the murderer's identity, DNA found on Krista's body.
7: It's DNA of an unknown male that's consistent with uh, someone having had sexual relations with uh, the victim. And it's that DNA that we seek to match.
5: So, says District Attorney Michael O'Keefe, investigators first zeroed in on her immediate circle especially past boyfriends.
7: You look at the people who are in the immediate orbit of the victim's life.
5: While they waited for the crime lab to find a DNA match, they took a hard look. First, there was the neighbor and former boyfriend, Tim Arnold. Not only had he found the body, but his semen would turn up on the blanket thrown over Krista. Then again, they'd live together for a time in the house.
4: Tim Arnold was one of the few men under the age of 70 in Truro year-round.
5: Krista's friend Steve Radlauer says her relationship with Arnold, at times contentious, apparently was over.
4: I don't think that she ever entertained the idea that this was going to develop into a long-term relationship, that they were going to get married or anything like that. She but he may thought. have. He may have. From what I understand, he was, he was more serious about that as a long-term possibility than she was.
5: Arnold emphatically denied to police that he had anything to do with the crime. Has have some good questions about what your memories of Krista are. Otherwise, he refused to discuss Krista Worthington. These days, Arnold struggles with health problems, mainly affecting his vision. But he says memories of what happened in 2002 never are far from his thoughts.
9: I think about it alone. I think about it just about every day.
5: sometimes writes about Krista.
9: The Krista I knew was a person of contradictions. She was by turns bright, talented, and ambitious, and then a homebody who wanted nothing more than to spend time with her child.
5: While Tim Arnold may have been at the top of the suspect list... I was interviewed a lot. Early on, Ava's father, Tony Jacket, wasn't far behind. You can certainly understand why the police would think that you had a motive to kill her.
2: Why? I had no motive. What was the motive? Ava?
5: Wow! According Ooh. to Krista's friends, Jacket had little time for the baby at first, and eventually, Krista demanded that he at least pay child support. She also demanded that he tell his wife, Susan. You didn't have a clue. No. He said, I had an affair. And he said, there's a child. And I said, "Uh, you're kidding. Then to Tony's total shock, she forgave him. Take a walk on the beach. It's been too many years, and he's a nice man. People make mistakes. He's only human.
7: Look at it. Isn't it lovely?
5: I don't want this anger in me. I just want to make this all work. And by the time of the murder, the Jackets claim it was, more or less, working. The three of them had a relationship of sorts with Ava at its center. Tony, they say, had no reason to kill Krista. We had her over for dinner, and it was a little uncomfortable the first time. But the more I got to know her, I, I liked her. I thought she was a nice person. Susan says Tony was at home with her when Krista was killed but police refused to rule anyone out. And the suspect list was expanding to Agatha Christie size proportions. At times, even including Tony's then son-in-law, Keith Amato, who'd taken an outside shower or two at Krista's house near the beach. Even Krista's elderly father was drawn into the investigation through his 29-year-old girlfriend. You just love taking pictures of me, don't you? A former heroin addict upon whom Krista thought he was spending far too much money. Meanwhile, the state crime lab was hopelessly backed up. Months passed with no word on the DNA taken from Krista's body. The police went to the FBI for a profile of the killer, but nobody seemed a fit. Then finally, a year after the murder, the crime lab at last produced results. Disappointing results, because the DNA from Krista didn't match Tony Jacket or Tim Arnold or any other suspect the police had.
7: You have this ever-widening circle, if you will, of investigation going on first group of people are looked at very, very intensely. Nothing is developing. You widen that circle.
5: The widened circle brought in DNA from repairmen, trashmen, deliverymen. With pressure mounting, D.A. O'Keefe took an unprecedented step, asking for DNA from every single man in Truro. State police investigators were actually in Truro today asking men outside
6: the post office, outside coffee shops, for saliva samples for At DNA.
1: that point, like, what are you, crazy? I mean, this is such a needle in a haystack. How many people have been tested so far?
7: Um, I'm not going to say specifically, but uh, dozens of people. Dozens really? and dozens.
1: These guys are throwing darts at an elephant, you know? I mean, they got no chance. It's just
5: crazy. But chance is a strange thing. In the three years police were searching for Krista Worthington's killer, an uneasy peace settled over Cape Cod.
7: somebody that knows. Still, no arrests in this case. No one's been ruled out either.
5: As the investigation dragged on... You know, it just makes you think, you know... No
1: one has been named
5: a suspect. Only the random DNA roundup got much public attention.
1: It did seem to smack of some desperation.
5: Meanwhile, whole books were being written about this unsolved murder. Investigators under intense pressure still would rule no one out, including Tony Jacket.
2: I'm left in limbo if they don't solve it, and it's, it's, it's not right.
5: Little Ava, his daughter with Krista, was sent to live with a friend, Amira Chase, whom Krista had named Ava's guardian in her will. Jacket was allowed to see his daughter only one afternoon a week. Who loves you?
2: Daddy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Daddy loves you. Yeah. You know, that's my daughter. You know, the chases are nothing to this little girl.
5: He fought for custody.
4: Worthington Jacket Matters, 02W0006. six.
5: All right. But lost to Krista's friend. And Tony thinks he knows why.
2: Well, being a suspect definitely cost me custody, more than anything else, the custody of my my daughter.
5: By 2005, Jacket was getting used to another reality.
2: we are just kind of live with the fact that um, the perception of my being a suspect is gonna stay.
5: But then, on April 7th, investigators caught a stunning break. The crime lab had a hit.
7: We have a brief uh, statement to make.
5: A match for DNA found outside and inside Krista's body.
7: It just was a bombshell,
5: a huge
1: bombshell, because we were just like electrified. Couldn't believe that they had come up with a
5: match. Suddenly, a match, a suspect, and an arrest, all announced to the world by D.A. Michael O'Keefe three and a half years after the crime.
7: Last night at approximately 7.15 p.m., detectives from the Massachusetts State Police arrested Christopher A. McGowan for the 2002 murder of Krista A. Worthington.
5: Which had a lot of people in town asking, Christopher who?
7: Who
2: would have figured it would have been the garbage man.
5: That's right, Christopher McGowan had been Krista Worthington's garbage man. Truro was astonished and relieved. It seemed like a done deal.
7: The results were? we in the quadrillions. So you're talking about as absolute so, as one could y- possibly well, get. Well, you know, pretty much.
5: Police picked up a docile McCowan at his rooming house, lying on the bed, watching cartoons. Marijuana and an open bottle of prescription painkillers were on the table nearby. Incredibly, he'd been right under their noses from the start. Did you kill Krista? Krista? Interviewed twice, both times he had denied knowing Krista Worthington. He'd given police his DNA, voluntarily, more than a year earlier. The laboratory could not get
7: you results. As quickly as we would have liked them. Well, a year. Right, right.
5: When detectives took him in for questioning, McCowan waived his right to a lawyer they say he again denied knowing krista
7: and then he's presented with what i would suggest is a relatively strong piece of evidence that he's lying dna correct
5: police say that's when his story changed
7: he admits that yes he went there on friday night yes he had sex with her and yes he beat her. But he doesn't want to bring himself to admit that he killed her. So he blames the worst part of it on someone else.
5: The somebody else was McCowan's friend Jeremy Fraser, who'd been with him the night of the murder. But Fraser's DNA wasn't found anywhere on Krista's body. Was there an operating assumption that the last person who'd had sex with Krista Worthington had killed her? Yes. From the beginning? Yes. And you believe that to be the case? Yes. Christopher McCowan's interview at the police barracks lasted about six hours, and for whatever reason, he declined to have it recorded. So the only record of this crucial interview is a report some 20 pages long that the detectives wrote from their notes about a week later. In it, McCowan is sometimes confused and comes up with at least half a dozen different versions of what really happened the night police say Krista Worthington died.
3: Chris McCowan didn't commit this crime and the police
5: know it. Attorney Bob George took McCowan's case after the police interrogation and says they jumped to conclusions from the start noting that the DA's website listed this murder as solved almost from the moment of McCowan's arrest.
3: A person of Chris McCowan's race, class, and limited capacities was an easy target.
5: An especially easy target, he says, because Christopher McCowan literally wasn't smart enough to defend himself.
3: This is a person with a 76 to a 78 IQ on his best day meaning on a day where he's not using drugs and alcohol, uh, not under pressure.
5: Under pressure and under the influence.
3: He was using Percocet that day, he was using marijuana that day.
5: George says his client was putty in the hands of the police.
3: This is a false confession and I don't accept it. I don't know how much of it is actually coming from Chris McCowan's mouth or how much of it is coming from the police investigation, I don't know.
5: As for the DNA, the linchpin of the prosecution's case, the significance of that, George says, is all in how you look at this crime.
3: Court's now in session, please be seated.
5: And the police, he's about to tell the jury, are looking at it all wrong.
3: The forensics in the case could very well set Chris McCowan free. That person who killed Crystal Worthington was white. They had footprints that were unidentified, They had confidence that were unidentified, and they had unknown male DNA from three individuals under her fingernails.
6: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes.
7: Talk about starting the morning right.
6: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah.
4: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going. And the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica, empathy is our best policy.
3: Down the Cape today, the infamous Crystal Worthington murder case has gone from a whodunit to a courtroom drama. Right, Commonwealth of Massachusetts versus Christopher M. McCowan.
5: Prosecutors go into Christopher McCowan's trial confident that the jury will accept their simple theory of Krista Worthington's murder.
7: That he went to this location for the purpose of having sex with this person, that that was denied to him, and in a rage, he raped her and killed her.
5: The case against Krista's alleged killer, District Attorney Michael O'Keefe concedes, depends on two vital pieces of evidence.
7: The DNA and the statement together were the two major pillars of the case.
5: First, the DNA. We performed DNA analysis on 23 samples. The state's expert says it proves beyond doubt that McGowan had sex with Krista Worthington. Christopher McGowan matched the major profile in the mixture. Then, the statement.
4: Can you tell us your name for the record, please?
1: My name is Christopher Mason.
5: With Krista's father and other family members looking on.
1: Employed as a trooper with the Massachusetts State Police.
5: Trooper Christopher Mason tells the court that although McGowan didn't actually confess, He did admit to police that he beat Krista and watched her die.
1: Mr. McAllen stated, I never meant for that lady to get killed. It's a nightmare after nightmare, and not a day goes by that I don't think about it.
4: He went up there looking for sex. Krista Worthington confronted him, and it got very ugly.
5: In the prosecution scenario, McAllen was drinking heavily that night. He joined friends at a local club they were videotaped by an onlooker while taking part in a rap contest.
7: This person wanted the company of a woman after partying and drinking all night.
5: So O'Keefe continues, at around 1.30 a.m., McGowan drove to Krista's house in Truro, where he killed her. And he was alone? He was alone. And he didn't have any prior relationship with her?
7: other than his familiarity with who she was, where she lived, and the fact that she lived alone.
5: That is where McCowan's attorney, Bob George, insists prosecutors have it all wrong.
7: Now, when they
3: found the DNA for 39 months, you will hear they were looking to speak to Krista's last
5: lover. He wants to convince the jury there is reasonable doubt about everything in this case. Suddenly. Krista's last lover was a rapist. For starters, George claims his client and Krista may have been involved.
3: Chris McCowan could have reasonably had a consensual sexual relationship with Krista Worthington, and anyone who doesn't believe it is someone who just refuses to accept it.
5: And that's the defense's explanation for the damning DNA evidence that Krista Worthington voluntarily had sex with McGowan probably that Thursday, his day for picking up the trash, and that later someone else came along and killed her.
3: You don't have McCowan's fingerprints at that scene You didn't have McCown's hair at that scene. You got McCown's
5: DNA at that scene.
3: Yeah, consensual sexual episode on Thursday.
5: But George says getting the jury to believe that could be a problem because his client is being tried in Lily White, Cape Cod. If
3: you had the same body of evidence and Johnny Whitebread was home for the holidays and was from some affluent family on the Cape, the same body of evidence he wouldn't have been charged.
5: But miles away in New York, Krista Worthington's former boyfriend, Steve Radlauer, says race has nothing at all to do with his doubts.
4: Let's hear about that consensual relationship. How long had that been going on? I saw Krista two weeks before she was murdered, roughly. Uh, It wasn't going on then, because we would have heard about it. That would have been her top story. Top of the Krista news would have been, I'm having an affair with my local trash man.
5: Mm -hmm. You won't believe it. Top story. Back in court, the defense also must deal with its other big problem, that statement.
3: And when he walked into that police station on April 14, 2005, the police had to get a statement out of him.
5: So they intimidated him, George argues, in a six-hour interrogation, much as they'd done with other suspects like Tim Arnold. And when you
3: told them that you did not kill Krista Worthington, what was said to you?
9: Oh yes, I had. It's like getting worked over, you know? (laughs) Like physically getting beaten up.
5: Another one-time suspect, Keith Amato, described a similar experience.
4: Trooper Mon slammed his hand down on the table and said, this is a murder investigation, and if we so choose, we will turn your life inside out.
3: They did exactly the same thing to them that they did to McCowan, except that they were smart enough, and they had the wherewithal in the background to know when to say stop, cut it out, I'm not doing this anymore, I want a lawyer. As far as IQs go, what is, uh, what, what's what's the score for someone who's mentally retarded?
5: George's witness, forensic psychologist Eric Brown, claims that with an IQ of about 76, Christopher McGowan simply couldn't understand the police's questions.
3: In 69, is mentally retarded? Yes. And he's 76 on his best day? Yes
5: rubbish says the prosecution mcgowan seemed smart enough when brown gave him an intelligence test
4: for relativity he indicated einstein and for gandhi he wrote spiritual leader of india and for koran he wrote muslim bible that's correct. correct
5: and he was clever enough the state argues to concoct a story blaming someone else the truth, the whole truth his friend Jeremy Fraser, who appeared uncomfortable the moment he took the stand. Did you drive
4: up uh, to Crystal Worthington's house with Christopher McCowan? No, I didn't. Did you have anything at all to do with her death, sir? No, I didn't.
5: But Bob George wants the jury to believe Frazier could have. What were you
3: drinking? A couple of bears at the party. Did you tell the police it was like six Coronas? I don't recall.
5: Certainly, Fraser and McCowan were together that night. The videotaped rap contest shows Frazier listening to music with McCowan nearby. But Fraser supplied an alibi. He later was seen at another party, then slept at a friend's house. And his DNA doesn't show up anywhere at the crime scene.
7: He was a convenient patsy for the defendant to blame. It has
5: nothing to do with this murder. No. Bob George also argues that police bungled the whole investigation. There were fibers, hairs, DNA that never made it to a lab, and a crime scene contaminated by careless EMTs. They had all
3: kinds of evidence at that scene that was either mishandled, ignored, or thrown
5: away. Christopher, Christopher McCowan never testifies, betting that his attorney has created enough doubt in this case to set him free, it's
3: based on an assumption, a false assumption, that a vassar educated, wealthy heiress could not possibly have had consensual sex with a black, uneducated, troubled garbage man.
10: What makes a life a good one?
5: While the jury in the Krista Worthington murder trial deliberates...
3: There's always that question as to what's the truth, what isn't the
5: truth. The case is still being tried in the court of public opinion. Who have been following the trial? And everyone in town's got an opinion.
7: I think the preponderance of evidence indicates that he's guilty. I think
5: he deserves every bit of
0: a reasonable doubt if
5: it's there.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if the guy gets off
5: days go by the clock ticks on without a verdict
3: it's always good when they're out a long time
5: christopher mccowan's lawyer bob george is taking an optimistic view insisting that time and the evidence are on his side
3: if you can't trust what you find at the crime scene because the scene has been corrupted if you can't trust the statement because it's unreliable and if the DNA doesn't mean anything because the defendant could have been involved in a consensual relationship with the victim, then what happened?
5: For five agonizing days, the jury, including two African-Americans, debates that very question. They said they were hopelessly deadlocked. Then on day six, a shocker, the judge announces he is throwing one juror off the panel. A white woman whose boyfriend was arrested in an unrelated crime. In a phone call with him, she was taped criticizing the police. And there's concern about bias. You are to be
7: discharged from this <laughs> jury. Word began
1: circulating around 11.30 this morning that this jury had finally come to a verdict. Those now in session, please be seated.
5: Two days after a new juror is seated, the, the logjam breaks.
3: What say you, Mr. Foreman?
5: Christopher McCowan learns five. his fate.
3: We've, adjured, we've returned the following verdict of guilty of murder in the first degree.
5: He was devastated by the
3: verdict. Anyone with eyes could see that he was terribly uh, hurt
5: by what happened. Hours later, before he's sentenced, he addresses the court for the first time.
7: This case, sir, is a very horrendous case. I feel sorry for the pilgrim's family, our daughter, and her.
6: And they meant for this to ever take place.
5: But he still you know, claims he had nothing to do with Krista Worthington's death. But you know, all I can say is that I'm, I'm an innocent man in this case, and. And that's, that's all I gotta say. The because. court doesn't buy it.
3: The court
4: hereby sends you to be in prison at the Massachusetts Correctional Institution at Cedar Junction for and during the term of your natural life without the possibility of parole. On indictment
5: number 05-109-02, the jury having found you guilty
3: Chris. Did I want a not guilty? Of course I wanted to not guilty. You know, my belief in McCowan's innocence is what drove me. I believed he was innocent, and still believe he's innocent, and will believe he's not guilty uh, until the day I die.
5: You want me to stand at the podium? Even after the verdict, Bob George refuses to give up. He's a little suspicious about what really happened to get that juror removed.
3: So you've got a juror receiving phone calls on her cell phone from someone who's incarcerated in a deliberating deadlocked jury in a major murder case from the jail. You don't have to be all over Wendell Holmes to figure out there's something strange about that. We'll find out what happened.
1: I think there's a lot of conspiracy theory types that, you know, will never be satisfied.
5: ERIC WILLIAMS, WHO'S COVERED THE CASE FROM DAY ONE, SAYS WHILE REPLACING THE JUROR CONFUSED THINGS, IN THE END, HE HAS CONFIDENCE IN THE JURY'S DECISION.
1: THERE WAS ENOUGH EVIDENCE, IT SEEMED, TO PUSH THEM TO UNANIMOUSLY AGREE, AND I THINK FOR MOST CAPE CODDERS, THAT'S GOOD ENOUGH.
2: THIS CASE CHANGED MY LIFE. dramatically. It's not something that you ever imagine you're going to have to deal with. Kind of like being in a dark tunnel, I wonder if you'll ever see light again. Are you glad that this is finally all over?
5: Now officially cleared as a suspect in Krista's murder, Tony Jacket is relieved at the verdict.
2: The jury deliberated and carefully. Looked at all the evidence.
5: Although, remarkably, he isn't sure the jury got it right.
2: I felt there was reasonable doubt all over the
4: place.
9: I think about the trial. I think about what it did to me, and and I think about her.
5: Tim Arnold, too, is happy it's finally over. But to this day, he is haunted by what happened.
9: Sometimes the weight of events forces you to look back whether you want to or not. Just something that's always there.
4: These happen to be a few snapshots I took of Ava and Krista when they were here only a couple of weeks before she was killed.
5: Ava lives still with her legal guardians, and by all accounts, she is doing well. One pretty little girl.
4: Yeah, she was really sweet.
5: When you look at this today, what goes through your mind?
4: Well, you know, I, I mean, basically I think she was really happy. She was a great person. We miss her a lot.
5: Ava never will remember those happy times, but Krista's friends are determined that one day she will know how much her mother loved her. How would you want to tell her about the past?
2: Um, a little bit at a time.
9: Yeah, Is that good. Ava won't have her. That's... Yeah, it's this is, this is the enduring tragedy, the whole thing.
5: For nearly 16 years, 48 Hours has covered the aftermath of Krista Worthington's murder and Christopher McCowan's trial.
3: Guilty of murder in the first degree.
5: Soon after his conviction... The verdict was called into question when several jurors made allegations of racial bias during their deliberations. That prompted the trial judge to take the unusual step of calling all 12 jurors back to court to be questioned. Their testimony revealed there was racial tension in the jury room. And McCowan's attorney, Bob George, thought it was sufficient grounds for a retrial.
3: Well, in my opinion, it's enough to establish that the statements were made and that the biased statements were made. Now it's up to the judge to determine whether or not there's going to be a new trial.
5: But the judge ruled against McCowan, upholding his conviction. In 2010, the state Supreme Judicial Court agreed. McCowan, from the moment he was sentenced... All I can say is that man. ...has refused to give up the fight. Mr. McCowan, you deserve a new trial? Though three appeals have been denied, he now has a new legal team. And they have filed another motion for a new trial. But for those closest to Krista Worthington, life has moved on. Tony Jacket maintains a warm relationship with his daughter Ava, who now is in college and continuing to thrive.
3: Christopher McHowan's original attorney, Bob George, had some legal trouble of his own. In 2012, he was convicted of money laundering in an unrelated case and served three years in prison.
10: Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances.